So, Dick, uh, you facilitate a kind of inner exploration process that has some similarities to mindfulness, but is also different. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Serge, uh, good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, the similarities are that when I'm working with people or helping them do this process, I'll have them notice what I call their parts, which in, uh, you know, other ways of thinking would be their emotions and thoughts. But from my perspective, those emotions and thoughts aren't just ephemeral, uh, temporary flashes from the mind. They actually are attached to or emanating from what might be called subpersonalities that I call parts of people that are, you know, that are with us most of our life and uh, constitute a lot of the inner voices we hear when we do thinking and and uh, have lots of different feelings and thoughts. And so as people notice a part or more than one, uh, just in doing that, they tend to, they, they are separating from it. And that is what mindfulness does. It, it helps you notice rather than be in the middle of various thoughts and emotions. And when you are able to do that, when you're able to separate from those thoughts and emotions, you sense this other place in you uh, that has qualities like well-being and acceptance and uh and I stumbled onto this place early on when I was helping climb a psychotherapist. So my career was spent trying to learn how to help people with their parts because they were describing these inner critics and uh, the parts that want to make them binge and the parts that feel so horrible. And in the process of having them focus on those parts, they would feel more separate from them and they would enter the state that's now being called mindfulness. And because I was seeing them as <clears throat> those parts as subpersonalities, it didn't make sense to simply observe them, which is what most mindfulness practices advocate, to separate from your thoughts and emotions and observe them with acceptance, perhaps, uh, but instead, I, I would try to get my clients to actually begin to interact with them in a way that ultimately allows them to heal and transform. <clears throat> and as, as people would do that, they would learn that these aren't just temporary or ephemeral thoughts and emotions, but that they are connected to these personalities that have a lot to tell them that they didn't even know because they haven't been listening. And as they listened, they began to have compassion for these parts of them because many of them had been trying to protect them, uh, sometimes in dysfunctional ways, at least for now, ways that were necessary when they were younger and more vulnerable. But... Uh, a lot of these parts are frozen in time, so they're, they're doing things that were necessary at one time in your life but no longer are. 
But as they were able to express compassion internally to these parts, the parts would soften and and tell and show their secret history to parts. And so what this process has in common with mindfulness is that separation. And when you do separate, you do automatically access uh, these qualities that, for me, uh, have come to be known as the self, with the capital S. But, so mindfulness, from my point of view, is a good first step if you're wanting to heal something or actually change the way your mind is, is um, thinking and feeling. But it doesn't actually produce the kind of changes that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot in what you said, and um, want to maybe try and articulate a few of the things that I heard. Um, one is about the similarity with mindfulness in the sense of not getting lost in the emotion or the idea or the personality, but be able to see it from a distance in a compassionate way. Right. Um, and uh but this being in your approach a first step where there is a processing of what is observed uh and what is observed is something that very similar to the commonplace experience of people having as there's a part of me that's once that there's another part that wants that a conflict the little angel or the little demon, but noticing that these personalities, if you actually process them in a way as to have a dialogue with them, to understand them better, then uh, something melts and um, something transforms. Ultimately, yeah, sometimes it's not quite that simple, but that's correct. And so if, if you think of these things as ephemeral thoughts and emotions, it makes sense to just observe them pass- passively. Mm-hmm. But if you if you think of them as suffering beings, then it's not compassionate to just watch them parade by passively. And that's the way I think of them. So if if you did think of your fear as a suffering inner being, it would make more sense to actually go to it and try to learn about its fears and actually comfort it in a almost parental, caring, loving way. And when you do that, you would find that uh, it would, first of all, it would calm down, but it might also show you where it got the fear originally in the past. And it's actually possible then to have someone enter that time and to behold that actual younger version of yourself and comfort that part of you that's still frozen back there, which actually will allow for a transformation and, and take that part of you out of where it's frozen in the past. So so it's it's um, more of an active, almost internal reparenting process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, an active internal reparenting process and you point out that actually uh, if you think of that part as a suffering being 
the compassionate thing is to engage with it as opposed to dismissing it, which is probably part of what has made it isolated and self-contained before. Right. So, uh, so that's what I, I try to help people do. And what I find is that as people start to do this inner focus process and interact with these parts and, and begins to just emotions or thoughts, how to relate to them mm-hmm. in a healing way. It isn't something I have to teach them. So the separating, uh, having the focus back on the parts, but from a separate place, seems to release this inner wisdom, this light compassion, curiosity. We have what we call the eight C's of self-leadership. Uh, oddly enough, all the, these qualities begin with the letter C, so... Uh, other qualities include confidence, courage, curiosity, I said curiosity, clarity, and uh, connectedness. And I don't know if that's eight, but <laughs> um, but anyway, those just sort of spontaneously manifest in people when they uh, separate enough, separate from enough of these parts. And when they're in that, that more quote-unquote mindful state, then, as I say, they know how to heal their parts and they or relate to them in a, in a kind of comforting parental way. And uh, I don't have to do much more than keep them in that place because it just seems to be inherent in us, this wisdom about how to heal ourselves emotionally. Yeah, so what you're talking about uh, internal family systems, um, you're helping create conditions in which there is a functional as opposed to dysfunctional relationship between these parts. And as the self begins to separate from the parts, uh, the good qualities, the confidence and the, all the other good qualities of the self, which are naturally there, emerge. And so this is a process that's very much self-directed with some help. Exactly. That's the way it works. And, uh, you know, there's more to it. The, the, the actual therapy of it is, is somewhat involved, but that's, that's the spirit of it. And, and so when people go to meditate, for example, mindfully, instead of considering the pesky ego or the monkey mind or these sort of pejorative terms that these parts have been given by the spiritual community, uh, which makes you want to sort of swat them away mm-hmm. <laughs> when, you're medita- when you're meditating. If you were to think of them as there's parts of you that want and need your attention, but you want a little bit of a, and you were to go to them and just ask them politely to to relax for a little while so you can be in this other place for 20 minutes while you meditate. Uh, people have much better luck, and they don't have to work as hard uh, to, to actually enter that meditative state. So there are 
meditation teachers that are using IFS this way rather than uh, than teaching people to, you know, to either downplay or ignore their ego that's interfering. Right, right, that it's there. And so it's a question of um, uh, what kind of relationship you want to have with it and with its various manifestations and not go into uh, one up, one down, or in a way of fighting game and imposing silence. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, the basic idea is inner beings are important as your outer children, and they that kind of care and respect. And too many systems have seen them as pesky irritants. So, uh, yeah, that's the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what strikes me there is the word respect that you used. Yeah. So even the parts of people that seem to be so so damaging or destructive, I, I was uh, part of this Mind and Life conference in Europe in September, and I had this conversation, well, I, I talked to the Dalai Lama for about 15 minutes about this um, because he talks about there being destructive emotions and then constructive emotions and you need to battle or have antidotes to the destructive emotions and I think that's a big mistake and so even the ones that are considered destructive if approached mindfully and uh, asked from a place of curiosity about why they do what they do will tell people often about their secret history of how they were, as I say, necessary one time in the person's life and actually uh, maybe even saved their life and now are stuck in this role of making them enraged all the time or whatever the emotion is. And again, that fosters a kind of inner compassion so that it's all parallel because if you can have for parts of you that get enraged or that, that uh, give you impure thought, then when you see people around you manifesting some of those same qualities, you don't, you don't have that same judgment for them. You can have compassion for them also. So it's all parallel. How you relate to these these parts of you inside translates directly into how you're going to relate to the people around you. Yeah, yeah. And so um, earlier you had uh, said that you see these personalities as suffering beings, and um, you're articulating that it's not just what is traditionally perceived as suffering that you see this way, but also the angry, the rageful, the self-critical parts uh, that would normally be perceived as uh, bad or something that you want to get rid of uh, are also approached with that same compassion. Exactly. Yeah, I was working with a, a spiritual teacher recently who said, uh, as we got to know a part of her that it sometimes gets so enraged it wants to kill her husband. No, it's 
it's not good for her profile to be admitting that she has a part that wants to kill her husband in, in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And, and too many, uh, too many people feel that way, that they should be ashamed of these parts. When in fact, if you go to them, and we did with this, this person, we learned why it wanted to kill her husband, and there was good reason why it would want to kill somebody from what had happened to her as a child. So, and then we could uh, give it compassion, but also help it out of that role, help it out of the, out of where it was stuck in the past. And they transform, and then they become these valuable energies that can help you be strong, but not in such an extreme way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... So that attitude of gentle curiosity and compassion and observing what is, and you're saying that in your experience, actually, people are quite able to connect to that and to have that kind of internal dialogue with a little bit of help. Yeah, uh, it is quite amazing for most people because when they hear about it, some people say, well, I could never do that. You know, I don't have that kind of imagination or uh, I don't experience my life that way. But once you get them to turn their focus inside and focus on an emotion and get out of their thinking mind, so we ask the thinking parts to step back and just get into this mindful state, which, again, probably a lot of your listeners are already doing, it's just one e- very easy step to begin to engage their emotions and thoughts in conversation and wait for an answer to come back from that place in their body or their mind rather than trying to think what the answer would be. And uh, and your listeners would be amazed at how quickly they can begin that process, and most everybody can do it. So let's imagine just a typical question that somebody can ask themselves um could be something about, uh, you know, mm, I'm feeling angry or, you know, something starting from that place? Well, if you're up for it, Serge, we could, uh, I could do a little piece of work with you for a second. Sure, sure. So all we have to do is have a starting point. So mm-hmm. is there a part of you you might uh, want to get to know better or begin this process with? So I could start with um, just paying attention to a physical sensation in, uh, you know, a little tension in my neck. Perfect. So just focus there in your neck. Mm -hmm. And as you notice that tension, how do you feel toward it? So I'm noticing that actually... Uh, instead of a feeling, what happened is um, I uh, straightened up. You know, I was a little hunched, and huh? I straightened up. And uh, as I straightened up, I had a little more sense of ease in it. So, in a way, if I take that little interaction as a dialogue, um, it's as if I had asked it, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? And and it said, give me a little more room. <laughs> okay. But let's, let's keep the dialogue going. So 
Um, are you open to it? Or do you feel like your mind is open to get to know it better? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, if I if I listen to it a little bit, um, when you said, are you open to it? Is your mind open to it? I felt a little tightening of it. Uh, okay, as good. if uh, it said, you know, like, yeah, but with some reason. You know, I reserve the right to not be. Yeah, very good. All right, so just let it know. Just direct these words to that place in your neck. Let it know that you're curious about it. You want to get to know it better. And ask it what it wants you to know about itself. And then wait for an answer. Don't think of the answer. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use the words, you know, just so that they come from me. Uh, and and I'm asking that part, um, you know, just uh, that I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I'm curious to see what you want. I want to give you some room to hear you. Um, hmm. And so what's happening is I'm actually noticing some tears. In my eyes, so the sense of being moved. Okay, good. So, Just stay with it. Yeah. Just so stay it's with as if the part said, "I'm I'm moved that you actually want to hear me." That's right. That's right. So we're just we're just going to stay with it and just keep reassuring it that you really do finally want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I have a sense of actually, uh, you know, that little tension lifting. That's great. In the back, and um, of my torso becoming, um, you know, straighter. So a sense of just literally like the weight has lifted. Good. And um, and so kind of um, a voice that says, well, thank you, and maybe opening its arms and kind of a... Uh, taking space in a gentle way. Very good. And just keep going for a while. Just stay with it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, it's like a sense of calm and a sense of spaciousness. Mm-hmm. And a clarity. Not, not clarity in the sense of something clearing. You know, not, not abstract clarity, but like something, um, you know, there's a fog and it clears up. Okay. I just see if there's anything else this part wants. You don't know or wants from you or... Yeah, so I'm going to again ask it the question. So, is there something that you might want to tell me or something you might want from me? So I'm noticing again that the eyes, you know, some tears coming up in the eyes... And the sense is, you know, uh, come visit me this way more often. Okay. What do you say to that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like 
this is the beginning of a new relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And, and there might be more it wants you to know as time goes on. But the sense I get from how this is going is that it first wants to establish that you'll follow through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, ju- and just ask it if that's right. So is that right that you want me to follow through? To have um yeah, so the in a way I was voicing yeah, so you have um to for it to be a real relationship as opposed to simply um a chance encounter. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably worried that once the tension goes away you'll ignore it and not keep right. talking to it. Which of course, you know, as you put it this way, uh brings a different relationship that I can have with the tension. Because then the tension becomes a kind of waving that says, hey, uh, pay attention to me. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's what a lot of physical and medical symptoms are. And, uh, you know, we're, our culture is designed to kill the messenger rather than listen to the message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is, uh, uh, this is really a sense of, um, having a deep respect for what happens, including symptoms or manifestations that are not necessarily things that we normally value, but seeing it as a messenger and having a lot of respect for that messenger and following it. Yeah, and getting curious about it, like you did, and, and just beginning a new kind of ongoing relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in this context, suddenly uh, what occurs to me is um, another meaning to, um, you know, that uh, phrase, that name, internal family systems, but a sense that all of these um, sensations, emotions, personalities that we detect um, a desire to have them as part of a loving and connected family as opposed to uh, scapegoating, isolating them and having them fight or uh, reduce some to uh, to exiles. Exactly. That's, that's totally the vision. That... Yeah. So maybe just see, before you shift your focus away from that, mm-hmm. if it feels complete and it feels like for now this is what it wanted you to get or if there's anything else yeah so I'm going to just ask it so does it feel complete to you is there anything else that you might want Mm. so you know I just had a mmm so which is a a kind of sense of satisfaction and and the it was something else. It's in a way from this place. It feels good to express a sense of satisfaction. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the risk of doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, that was a good example of what can happen. And we had started that with the idea 
of um, inviting people to go on this kind of exploration. Right. So, it might be a good place to end, but just you want to see if there is anything else that you might want to um, to add to this. Well, I, I maybe I'll add a note of caution, just because uh, there are people who meditate to get away from their pain, for example, mm-hmm. and if instead you turn toward these parts, often it's opening the door to parts of you that carry a lot of pain and and have been longing to get access to you for a long time. And that can be kind of uh, overwhelming at times for some people and, it, you know, can be very uh, distressing sometimes. So, so just uh, for your audience to know that that's a possibility as they do this inner exploration, and if that were to happen, it'd be good to have a kind of backup therapist or something like that mm-hmm, to help mm-hmm. them to help them not overreact to that and to actually work with it. There's there's some parts that's hard to work with on your own. You need I still need somebody to help me while I'm going in certain places inside. So just that, that little note of caution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, so these, are, these are difficult areas, and in the same way as in any other human endeavor, when we go to places we haven't gone that much before and are difficult or dangerous, we benefit from having a guide. Exactly, that's right. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. You're welcome, Serge. Always a pleasure. This recording is part of the podcast at relationalimplicit.com. To have a kind of backup therapist or something like that mm-hmm, to help mm-hmm. them to help them not overreact to that and to actually work with it. There's there's some parts that's hard to work with on your own. You need I still need somebody to help me while I'm going in certain places inside. So just that that little note of caution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so so these are these are difficult areas, and in the same way as in any other human endeavor, when we go to places we haven't gone that much before and are difficult or dangerous, we benefit from having a guide. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. You're welcome, Serge. Always a pleasure. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.